Hello once again, everybody. I'm Rick Cole, and today it's the Pirate People Podcast from North Central Missouri College's Pirates Digital Media. On today's podcast, you may not know this, North Central does not have its own security team. So in this small city, we rely on the Trenton Police Department for that kind of supervision. Rex Ross is the chief of police here in Trenton, and today he talks about the department's dedication to NCMC, his life in law enforcement, it's spanned uh, 31 years or so, and a couple of other things that you probably didn't know about him. It's all here on the Pirate People Podcast. Rex, first of all, how long have you been with the Trenton Police Department, and what's your background overall in uh, law enforcement? Okay, so I've been with Trenton for 33 years. Um, it's the only place I've worked as a police officer. Um, I've had a couple little opportunities to go somewhere else, but as in um, having a family, I thought this was probably a good place to raise my family. Um, I went to school at Warrensburg uh, at CMSU and got my bachelor's degree down there. Um, had a few applications out, but Trenton was the place that was dumb enough to, I guess, to hire me. And uh, I really enjoyed it here. I, I think it's been a good run. I uh, pretty much held every duty there at the police department that there is, so I think that makes me a good leader for them because I know pretty much how everything works. And not that things haven't evolved, but at least I have a baseline of how most things work. What was your first responsibility? So as, a, as the night patrol officer on midnights, I would have been in charge of things like uh, the vehicle statistics and thing like that and so I I always got to hear well you know you have a degree so you must be smarter than right. the rest of us so you can do this paperwork <laughs> and so that's how some of that filtered down to me right. and then I also acquired what we would call the quartermaster job which would be giving out uniforms and taking them back in and ordering and replacing and things like that which um, is, is a pretty big job sometimes if, if you don't have any turnover and you just are doing replacements, not too big a deal. If you have a lot of new people coming in like we have recently, it's a pretty big job. I want to talk about all of that because I know like a lot of industries you have, you know, you're looking for people, it seems like a lot. Um, but tell me the difference, now that you're at the other end of the spectrum, from night officer to uh, the boss, for lack of a better term, that's got to be a polar opposite. It is. So actually working um, the midnights as a patrol officer, it was always a good time to work because I didn't have to deal with the brass. I didn't have to deal with the things that go on during the day. You didn't have to deal with you right. later on. <laughs> exactly. And so that's a good time to work. Um, things, as a new officer, things generally happen about one at a time. You can deal with one thing and go on. And, and so even though you're busy sometimes, it's not as busy during the day when sometimes you're juggling two or three things. Right. Right. Well, now you must be juggling an awful lot of stuff. What's what's a day like for you? Well, I generally try to start out in the morning and listen to the morning news to see what I don't know is Local going news. on during the day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I try to figure out if, if there's anything that I don't know that's going on that we should be responding to. Um, generally, I have a few meetings during the day. Um, the lieutenant usually does a lot of the day-to-day -day operations, but there's a lot of decisions still to be made. Um, you know, anything that we have as far as projects, events, trainings, I'm trying to keep up on those. Um, obviously, there's responsibilities to City Hall and, and things like that, but um, generally, it's, it's pretty much administrative now that I'm not working the road from being so short. 
and I am hopefully getting caught up at some point. Right. Do you get calls in the middle of the night about barking dogs or whatever? I do. Um, I try to limit who has my personal cell phone just because of that. Yeah. Um, people think that sometimes I'm their personal police officer, but I'm really not. And, and generally, if it's not something I need to make a decision on, I will just tell them their best course of action would be to call the police department. Yeah. I'm not coming out in the middle of the night to take care of their dog. <laughs> Good issue. for you. You know, that that, that uh, high status has some privileges, I guess, right? It, it does, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, I'm trying to do the math here. If you've been 33 years with this department, that takes you back to the late 80s, right? So I, I would have started in July of 1989, That would be, and I had... Uh, graduated from college in May. So you've probably seen the kids of kids that you knew at that point and seen a couple of generations maybe uh, through that time. So we do um, and it, there's a lot of advantage to knowing whose parents belong to who, um, who's an aunt and uncle, um, maybe where they used to live and what they used to drive and um, some of their some of their genealogical things will help you find them when you need them. Right, right. Well, I was going to say one of the things uh, I think that it, maybe it's changed, maybe it hasn't, but the Trenton Police Department is the uh, law enforcement body for North Central Missouri College, which ties you obviously to this podcast. Uh, what's the responsibility there in working with North Central? So without North Central having any kind of a security or their police department of their own, we handle all of that for them. Um, you know, we're not up here trying to be heavy-handed or anything, but we're definitely ready if, if we're called. Um, beginning of the, each year, we meet with all the RAs and with um, the, the guys or whoever has been assigned to be a part of the um, residential halls to make sure they're all on the same page of music. They know who we are, hopefully remember who they are, and that way you know, we can hopefully work together and figure out a solution no matter what's going on. Do your officers patrol or do you wait till you're called by the college? A little bit of both. I think a little bit of both. With the college being in the downtown area, it's also part of the business district. So we're down through here. Um, obviously, there's things that we miss. Um, the good part about it is the college has a good setup with their their cameras that can help us out if we do have something going up here. Right. But um, we you know, we try to get up here. You know, it's only a few blocks from the station. If we're going to the north part of town, usually we're going to cut through here anyway. Um, I, I think there's enough activity here that you know it's, it's good to keep an eye on the area up here. I think uh, in talking to some people there have not been very many incidents of major natures uh, occur here at North Central but uh, uh, when it does what's who has the jurisdiction is it is it uh, the college is it you uh, again is it a little bit of both the sheriff perhaps? Well it would pretty much rely on us. Um, the sheriff doesn't usually re respond to anything unless we're asking for help, but, okay. but we would still take the lead on that. If we had something that was a little bit bigger than we could handle, then we would either uh, maybe call in the patrol, the high patrol to help us, or even we could activate the major case squad. Um, generally, we can pretty much handle it ourselves. Um, we do ask for help if we needed some expertise that we right. don't have. You know, and, uh, as a parent of a uh, former college student, two of them, I was concerned about this community they were going to be living in. And uh, what can you tell parents about Trenton and going to school at North Central uh, in regards to that? I think that generally we're a pretty safe place to live. And um, we have our share of crime. Um, I always, or we, we try to emphasize, especially when we meet with the RAs, to tell your people that, that you're on your floor to make sure and keep things out of out of um, sight in your vehicles, keep your vehicles locked. 
um, you know, and as far as, you know, the parking lots, try to keep an eye on those. I mean, you might be able to help some other person out. And also when they're living in the dorms and the residence halls, that, you know, keep, keep an eye on your things. Don't trust everybody. Right. I mean, th just kind of simple things, but sometimes it gets lackadaisical and you forget and then bad things happen. Are there crimes like, uh, I don't know, people getting into other people's cars? Is that Does it happen more on campus or around town? Uh, I mean, is, you know, those kind of crimes happen more here? I think it's probably about equal. Okay. The worst part about it is if you, being in the center of town, um, I think people cross through here when they're walking. Oh, true. And I think if they cross through here and they happen to go through a parking lot and they're the kind of person that would try a door handle, Right. And they, you know, they would yeah. try one. So you should uh, lock your, your car doors. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, you know, if everyone stay on the roadways and, and do that, then we wouldn't have that. But but I think generally you'll have somebody, if they're cutting through, they might just be honorary enough to get into somebody's car. Right. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to tell a story on your department. I don't know if you do this anymore, but I know that at one point, not too long ago, Every once in a while, I'd get to work and unlock my office door, which was on a street, and find a little slip of paper in there that said, "We found your, we we we've come, we've checked, everything's okay, and you know, basically have a nice day, right?" And are you still doing that? Because I thought that was a really cool thing. So we do that. It's called Night Eyes. It's okay. something we've been doing for quite a while. We had always checked buildings, but we hadn't always left something behind. Yeah. And so the part of leaving something behind, I think, is just to reiterate that we've been here. And um, but whenever the business owners or whoever gets the call in the middle of the night, they don't get a slip of paper. They get a call, and they yeah. usually have to respond or, right. or you know make a decision if someone else responds. But I think that's just a little present, I guess, from us. And, and we're actually talked about reworking what that is. We've had it on blue cards for a while, and I think we're going to rework that a little bit and I try just to do something different. I've never seen that. I thought it was the neatest thing. I, I thought it was really good. What other things are you guys doing like that that kind of connect you to the community and that maybe people aren't aware of? So I think something that we do that we're kind of starting up after COVID is what we call our meet and greets. And so at least once a month we'll be somewhere where the public can come to us and meet us and not have to come to the station if they have an issue. Um, I, I think that opens the lines of communication up a little bit. We have a table and sometimes we don't. But I encourage the guys to go out and, and be involved in as much stuff as we can. Because um, I, I like the, I guess I like the concept of instead of us versus them, maybe we could pull some of them to us and us towards them. Because um, it's it's all about kind of partnerships and being involved in the community. And honestly, if you're the if you're standoffish, you're not going to get any information from the community to help you when you need it. Right. You know, growing up in the uh, '60s and '70s, it was always you see a police officer go by, and from what you see on TV, they're the enemy. Right. Where the reality is that you're here to help people. Am I, am I saying that well? Is that is right. that kind of the perception? And has that perception changed any? Because there hasn't been a lot of good press lately. And so that is that is an uphill battle that, that we deal with. I think in our smaller communities, I don't think we have that quite as much. I think we have a lot um, better uh, relationships with the community. There are times that we have to be adversarial, and it's we're not popular, and that's okay. But we still have a job to do. I know in the bigger communities, they've you know there's a lot of defunding and there's a lot of um, animosity and things towards the police, and, and some of it's justified, some of it maybe not. 
Um, but I, I think here, I think we generally we have a pretty good perception, and I, I think that we strive to work with the community and and be part of it. Rex, how about finding those those officers when you when you need to find somebody to fill a spot? Uh, I know you've told me for a couple of years how difficult it's been to do that. Can you talk about that a little bit and and where that's all headed? So the decline in popularity with uh, law enforcement and police has also had an impact on the law enforcement academies and just simply just not the numbers that are there and so with people retiring and moving on to other professions we need to be back behind that and build that back up with younger officers coming in and we just haven't seen that and so generally across the state there's just everyone's looking for for help and so um, we have noticed a little uptick in the academies from what we can tell this last year I don't think it's enough to fill everything that needs to be filled. Um, you know, we're just, I, I'm going to say we're lucky that we're pretty close to capacity at this point. And, um, you know, hopefully that trend will continue where we're seeing bigger numbers in the academy. Yeah, hopefully so. Uh, last thing on this very formal thing that we're talking about, but, uh, man or woman, older, younger, doesn't matter. What makes a, a good officer? I think a good officer has to think about they're they're here to help and I, I think there's times that you know we have to enforce laws that even though that we don't agree with we, we're still in charge of um, enforcing those and I think um, you know I think we would see a long way if if we could show that we do care I mean sometimes it maybe doesn't seem like we we care but there's times that we have to be very stoic in what we do and you know we can't really let our feelings be shown um, I think you'd be surprised behind the scenes and behind the walls or the police department what's talked about. And we are, we, we do have feelings, and, and <laughs> but we have a job to do too. Yeah. Um, I think um, also, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, being trustworthy is, is your biggest thing. I mean, we, we emphasize that if you make a mistake, let us know and we will, we will deal with it. Yeah. I mean, that's just how it is. And if it, they, either that, um, you know, if you if you make a wrong decision on a case or something, and we lose a case, it's not that big a deal. We can we can move on from that. Right. But it's always the best to tell the truth and right. and make sure that you're reliable and somebody that you can be depended on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where did you, did you grow up around Trenton? So I grew up in Canesville, which is about uh, 45 minutes away. Okay. Very small town, 500 people over in Harrison County. Right, right. You've told me in the past that one of your jobs, the summer job, was going out on the, well, in western Nebraska, we called the wheat whackers, the crews right. that go from south to north and harvest wheat. Right. How did you ever hook up with a job like that? So uh, my brother's best friend, his family ran a wheat crew, and so my brother went with them, and so when it came time for Really, I, I'd always mowed yards and, and done things in the summer to make money, but I knew that there was more money to be made at that. So at 17, I, you know, that would have been the first year I could have drove anything. Um, I signed up for that and when a weed harvest, then I had that through my senior year in high school and then all through college. And, um, you know, I pretty much went to school. We left for a weed harvest and I got back to go back to school every year. And, um, but I mean, it was it was a good time. I mean, I made a lot of money. Right. Um, there's there's a lot of work to be done. So there's not a lot of playtime. Although whenever it's playtime, 
it's pretty serious play. Yeah, I was going to say the. I think the perception is you 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 start early, but you're done at dusk, and then uh, you just go out and you ravage the town that you're in and and steal all the women and all that kind of stuff. But it's a little different reality, isn't it? Well, it's sometimes it's similar to that. <laughs> okay. um, I know. I, I knew know I missed something. I know there's times <laughs> that uh, we always felt like we were kind of like. And I don't mean to, you know, put a label on people, but yeah. like carnies, yeah, yeah, you know, would come to town and or pirates, yeah, and sure, <laughs> and and you know, we're uh, sadly enough um, from as you say, go south to north. In the south, we're not, we weren't quite as well received, really? and um, you know, the farms were bigger down there, and the people were just not as friendly. But by the uh. time we got to South Dakota, farms were smaller, and people just loved us up there. And so, if I had a, you know, a choice, that's where we would have. You know, done all of our work just because they, you know, the farmers just, just you know, always brought you in and yeah. you know treated you like you were family. Yeah. And even the town was, I think, more friendly towards us. Isn't that something? Yep. Uh, I know it's not just sitting behind the wheel of a combine. What were some of your various jobs that you had to do that that didn't involve driving those big, big machines? So the usually the the first time, whenever you're a, a wheat whacker. Um, <laughs> is that what you did? You call yourselves that? Um, custom harvesters. I think. Well, is, I know that's yeah. the official yeah. title, but <laughs> um, wheat harvesters is what we called it. Okay. But um, so you were usually a truck driver, and so after a while, you could you could run the combine, but I, I obviously didn't want to. Um, so some of the advantages of running the combines is it's air conditioned, sure, and all that kind of stuff, but. There was never any downtime. You were constantly going, uh, other than maybe meal time, and you're just going around in circles. Yeah. Or maybe it depends on how we were harvesting. I mean, there, you know, there's doing between harvesting a, a hundred and eighty acres of just straight wheat. You know, when in, there's no um, berms and or uh, terraces and stuff, and have, having terraces. I mean, there's just different ways to harvest that. But I mean, if and so in the mornings generally, uh, we would call we would service the machines, and that's both the trucks and the combines. Um, and that meant fueling them, um, washing all the windows, because as the static electricity got worse, then all the dirt clinged to the windows, and you just can't see. Um, everything had to be greased every day. Um, everything, all the machines were checked over every day, so hopefully we didn't have any breakdowns during the day. Not that that didn't, you know, happen. Sure, sure. But still, I mean, you can recognize maybe, well, hey, this looks funny here, or this is leaking, or whatever. And so that helped kind of on the uptime, because you know, time's money out there, and as soon as we, you know, finished a job or a, um, a farmer that we're working for, we'd either catch another job in that same area, we'd pack up and move on. And so, um, you know, I honestly like being a truck driver the best hmm. because I could go to town generally. You know, we could grab some pops, see some girls. Yeah. I mean, whatever <laughs> needs to happen. But if you're stuck at the at the field, it's not yeah. a lot of fun out there. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, driving those trucks when they're full can be kind of hazardous. They are. They're pretty big trucks. Um, you know, and as the evolution, as time went on, um, I remember when I first started, they were not quite as nice um, as what we had at the end. Uh, we had, at the end, we had um, twin screws with all air and everything, and it was. They were pretty nice. Um, but yeah, they're. We I've seen a lot of them tipped over, yeah. just because they they weren't careful. Right. Um, our right. boss usually tried to reiterate that we need to be careful, and um, of course, a lot of the the, the roads out west or sand roads and he said you know you get off in that sand you're going to have a problem but don't panic and you know stop you need to 
downshift and power out of it and keep going and that was probably the best the best advice because it, it happens sometimes right so now I'm going to transition this way what lessons did you learn from the wheat field that made you into the master fisherman you are today <laughs> so so there was a little bit of fisher fishing going on out there because my boss liked to fish so you so you take time some, to do that occasionally we would if we, we had some downtime I remember probably one of the best fishing trips we had was when we um, it was probably wet or maybe it wasn't even quite ready there in South Dakota <clears throat> and the striped frogs up there were just they were everywhere yeah and so we caught literally trash bags full of, of uh, striped frogs which unbeknownst to the boss's wife we put in the freezer which she didn't <laughs> appreciate but and so we took those on up to um, one of the reservoirs there on the Missouri River yeah and uh, which we, one well I'm trying to think of which the one, one the one I know and been to is Yankton Gavin's I don't think point. that sounds right okay but I know that um, you know we went there and we you know we did a bunch of fishing and did really good and one of the things that happened there was a tornado that went over and oh literally my. over the the lake and the and the dam that we were at which is you know Corps of Engineer and they sure they sounded the alarm and wanted everybody to go inside and the boss is like, oh, I'm not worried about this old bus. We'll be okay. And so we we were dumb enough to sit out there and watch the tornado go over the. My the goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what kind of fishing do you do these days? So um, when I have time, I like to do a lot of crappie fishing, and and I'm, I'm I like bass, and but the crappie is kind of the main thing that that I would prefer, just because I like eating those the best. Go ahead. There's sometimes during the year that. The bass don't taste the best, and catfish are in the same kind of category. Right, yes. now, if you can catch them early in the year, then you're probably good right, to go. Right, right. I grew up as a catfisherman when I started to teach myself how to fish. Because in Nebraska, that's about, you just have some of those shallow rivers and stuff. And, uh, but I was thinking about the wheat and how you have to be patient if you're going round and round in those fields. And it's, it's kind of like catfishing. You have to sit there and wait for something exciting to happen. And sometimes, as you know, it doesn't happen. Yeah, so... A lot of the times, um, you know, it's pretty non-eventful there in mm -hmm. the wheat field. Uh, then again, you might hit a spot that's wet that you didn't know was wet. Right. And you might bury both combines trying to get one of them out. And Goodness. so that's one of the things that we would do when we first got a combine because they're aggressive towards the front. Okay. So we would take those tires off and make it aggressive towards the back. That way, if you got into something, hopefully the, the concept was you build a back out of it. Okay. But, it, you know, if you get it down the frame, then you're sunk anyway. Right. Um, very, very common to see wildlife out there because they would just hunker down in the in the wheat, even though there's not a lot of that you could tell as far as um, differences in the terrain. But, I mean, it, it was common to have deer, whitetail, uh, mule deer, all kinds of little varmints and stuff out there. And of course, that was always something fun is try to catch those, which... We probably shouldn't have, but we did. <laughs> um, and also, um, the farther north you go, the more rocks there are to pick up. And, right. And they can right. tear the heck out of things if you're if you're not paying Absolutely. attention. Absolutely. What's the one thing that, that you think people should know about you that maybe they don't? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think one of the things that makes me unique is I'm adopted. Um, I have known I was adopted ever since I was old enough to understand my my um, adoptive parents didn't ever try to hide it or anything and 
you know, my family, the rest of the family knew, the community knew, it wasn't anything that was hidden. I mean, I've seen that over the course of my life is a lot of people will hide it and then when it comes out, I mean, it's a big shocker and it really hurts a lot of people's feelings. So my brother and I were both adopted. We knew from day one that, you know, we could understand that we were. We were both adopted from the hospital. Um, I think through a similar doctor and attorney, I don't know about that. Um, but it's, you know, it's something that's part of me. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not embarrassed about it or, you know, and, and sure. I think, you know, when I see, you know, the advertisements for adoptions and different things, I mean, I think, yeah, go, go, because I, I think it's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my mom died in 2016. She left behind in her lockbox a way for me to probably connect to my birth family. I, I Interesting. Don't, I, I, you know, she... She was very adamant that I knew what was in that lot, or that I had access to it, and I didn't know what was in it. But um, when I got in there, I had all my original birthing papers and what my original birth certificate would look like and a last name. And my wife, within a few hours, was able to find my a connection to my birth family, which I I have, and that's another you know chapter in the book that um, you know is is new and unique. Um, it's kind of like having another family, but I, yeah. I told I told my my girls I said because um, they were they were anxious about it. They bought a DNA kit, and that's kind of how it all fell together. But I told them I said, you know, once we ring this bell, we can't unring it, and so I want you to be prepared that we don't know who these people are. Um, so luckily, they're pretty good people. But I mean, we, we so you did know reach that. out to them, yeah. So, and so I we have a relationship with them. Um, and we we've started doing holidays and stuff with them, but um, but I just wanted to know that you know we can't stop the train once we get on the tracks. Right. Yes, and it's been good, but you know it, it was it was very nerve wracking because I didn't know you know we didn't know what we were getting into. Right, and so you know it's it's been good. Finally, how does a police officer career, police officer's career end? What do you want your career to end like? Well, I hope I'm able to retire and not be fired. Yes, and so, <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> and so uh, uh, generally a, a police chief lasts about three years average in the state of Missouri. Now, say that again, three years? Mm -hmm. That doesn't it. seem to be very long at all. No, you usually become unpopular after a little bit. What, what year is this? This is four for me, wow. and I hope I got a couple more left before I become unpopular. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd like to retire and maybe just do a little something less stressful for a few years before um, you know we get on Medicare or whatever. Right. Um, but I, I don't really have a, a, a certain plan. You don't hear the wheat fields calling your name? No, I don't think so. I uh, that was that was fun. That was a lot of hard work. But um, I, I think being hot all day long and eating stale sandwiches is probably behind me. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's not as glorious as it sounds. Right. This was great. Thank you so much for doing it with me. Oh, no problem. I appreciate it. Our thanks to Rex Ross of the Trenton Police Department. It's the Pirate People Podcast every week right here. We hope you'll join us again next week as the Pirate People Podcast is produced by North Central Missouri College's Pirates Digital Media.